Well, hey everyone, my name is Steven and I am one of the pastors here at Journey Church. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that this helps you on your walk with Jesus, but also that it encourages you to get plugged into a local community of believers. Hey, if 2020 taught us anything, it's that being isolated from others is not how God intended us to live. So be sure to use this resource in conjunction with being plugged into your local church. Hey, we hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to church. It is great to have you with us today. Thank you for joining us for this time of worship. Sorry, last week that we weren't able to uh, get together, but uh, what a massive snowstorm it was. I had every intention of being here and then streaming a live um, message to everybody as they stayed home, but I was trapped at home. I was not able to dig out until the end of the day uh, just out of our driveway, so I'm sure many of you were in the same, uh, same situation there. We are back in our series of messages called 10 Great Words for Life. We are back for at least one week. We are going to be here for one week back in our series of messages. And then next week is Mother's Day. Today, the commandment is honor your father and mother. Next week, it would be uh, do not murder. I felt like that was a downer for Mother's Day. So I decided I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna do that for Mother's Day. Um, we'll do something uh, different for Mother's Day. And then uh, we have our graduate. Sunday where Pastor Steve, uh, Pastor Stephen, surprise, no, Pastor Chris is going to be speaking uh, on our graduation Sunday, and then we'll be back into it uh, the, uh, the following, the 22nd, I believe. Well, today, we're going to get back into our series, though, talking about these Ten Commandments. Um, I, it was about four years ago, I took my, um, my family, we went to Disneyland in California. Um, Jennifer and I took the kids out there. First of all, California is just different. Uh, I don't know, some of you maybe have moved from California, but California is just different. And when we went there, we were staying in a hotel near Disneyland. Um, we got up and had breakfast down in the, in the uh, breakfast area in the lobby. We were looking out the windows, and I saw a woman pull up. She pulled up uh, next to the curb with her car got out of her car, went to the trunk of her car, pulled out a stroller, uh, got the stroller unfolded and walked up with the stroller to the back door of her vehicle. And I was expecting her to, to pick up her child and put it in the stroller and stroll it away. However, she picked up her dog and put it in the stroller and then strolled into the shopping area. And I thought, this is just different. This is just, this is not Wyoming. We are not in Wyoming anymore. Jennifer and I just gave each other the look, you know, what I'm talking about, just that look when, uh, when we had that. But anyway, that has nothing to do with why I'm telling you this. We went to Disneyland, and I took, uh, we took the kids, and we went to the ride. Uh, we went all throughout all the rides, but we went to the ride Autopia. You guys know what that ride is? It's the car ride that they have. And uh, Autopia, you get in the car, and the kids can drive the car. Uh, I, we had Alec at the time. Uh, he was about eight when we went to this ride. Uh, he got in the driver's seat. He was steering. He was excited to drive. I put my foot on the gas pedal. And as we went, he was not very good at this, so he was driving all over the place, but the rail that ran underneath the car kept you on the track. So even though we would veer off and we would, we would move back and forth over the lane, we could not get out of the lane. We could not, we could not go to the, uh, the direction we did not want to go because that, that rail, that guardrail, kept us right where we needed to be. The Ten Commandments are the guardrail 
to life. They are the guardrail to your heart. It is imperative that we know these, that we understand them. They're not just rules and regulations. The Ten Commandments are the guiding principles of all of life. I was just talking to uh, Pastor Chris about this, and he was saying he, he and his wife are going to start going through these Ten Commandments and teaching them to their kids because they're so imperative that we know these, and they become that guardrail to our lives that keep us on the path uh, and, and keep us going the direction we need to be going. Jesus was asked that question. Uh, it's in Matthew chapter 22. Jesus was asked, uh, being tested, teacher, which is the great commandment? Which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus responded and said this. He said, um, here's what the greatest commandment is. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second is like it, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Do you know that when he gave those two commandments, he was giving the summary of the entire Bible. He said, on these two things rest the entire law and the prophets, meaning that all of the Bible is really focused in on those two things. If you look at the Ten Commandments, you can divide the Ten Commandments into those two categories as well. That there is the loving God commandments and then there are the loving others commandments. We have covered the first four under loving God. Now we're going to get into the idea of loving others. The word you're going to hear time and time again as we go through these next six uh, commandments is the word honor. That's really what they're about. They're about learning how do I honor others? How do I honor what God's plan is for life. So the first four were about loving God. The next six are really about loving others and honoring them. Well, to give a little bit of a recap, let's just go through the verses that we have read thus far. We're going to read chapter 20, uh, verses 1 through 12 of the book of Exodus. So if you have a Bible, you could turn there, or you're going to find it on the screen as well. Exodus 20, verses 1 through 12. Let's read it. Here's what it says. Then God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord, that is Adonai. I am Adonai, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Now, that phrase sets the context for why all of the Ten Commandments were given. God gives the context when he says this, I am the one who brought you out. I am the one who set you free. I have redeemed you. The word redeemed means to be bought out of slavery. I set you free, not just for the Israelites then, but it is just as applicable to us today, even more so, because we have been, re been redeemed by Jesus himself. Jesus died for our sins. He redeemed us to buy us out of slavery. He says to us, I am the one that set you free. Therefore, I want you to do this in response. I want you to have this kind of a heart in return. Commandment number one, he gives. He says, you shall have no other gods before me. As a result of me setting you free, have no other gods. I am to be your God. Everything else is secondary. In fact, it shouldn't even be on the list at all. I am God, you will worship me. Now that was the message that we gave called undivided allegiance. That was about who I worship, who will be the God of my heart, who will be the God of my life. I hope you have made that decision already, that God will be God of your heart. He will be God of your life, that you won't worship the gods of our society, the gods of money, the gods of materialism, the gods of fame and influence. You will instead worship the God who is the God of all, the creator God. Then we moved on to commandment number two. He says this, do not make for yourself a graven image, 
or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or on the earth below or in the water under the earth. Do not bow down to them. Do not let anyone make you serve them. For I, Adonai, that's the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, bringing the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, <clears throat> but showing loving kindness to thousands of generations of those who love me and keep my commands, my mitzvot. Now, what was that about? That was about undiminished worship. So the first one was about who do I worship? The second one is who do I serve? Who sits on the throne of my heart? I may have God in my life, I may worship God, but does God have the, does he have the rule over my life? Are you letting God sit on the throne of your heart? Or are you sitting on that throne or is something else sitting on that throne? God desires that we worship him and then he sits on the throne of our heart. Commandment number three. You must not take the name of Adonai your God in vain, for Adonai will not hold him guiltless that takes his name in vain. What that was about was untarnished name. How do I speak about and represent the one who sits on the throne of my heart, the one whom I serve? Are you a good representative for the one who you supposedly worship and supposedly sits on the throne of your heart? I wish, I would love it if people would be great representatives. Instead, Christians often are lousy representatives of the one who they proclaim they worship and the one who they say sits on the throne of their heart. In fact, I hear story after story of people who are acting in ways that are unbecoming of God, in ways that are horrible representatives of God, just in their day-to-day -day life. Don't be that person. Be the person who says, God, you're the one I'll worship. You sit on, my throne, on the throne of my heart, and I will be an excellent representative of you. Now, we're not looking for perfection. I'm not saying you have to be uh, absolutely perfect, but be a good representative. Be somebody who says, God, I won't bring tarnish on your name. I will be an adequate and, and good representative for you. Number four. Remember Yom Shabbat, that is the day of Shabbat, day of Sabbath. Remember this day to keep it holy. You are to work six days and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Shabbat to Adonai your God. In it you shall do not do any work, not you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, your cattle, nor the outsider that is within your gates. For in six days the Lord Adonai made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Thus, Adonai blessed the day of, uh, of Shabbat and made it holy. That was about unhindered rest. And we spent two weeks looking at what it means to rest. God wants us to learn to rest in him. Be still and know that he is God. Be still and listen to his voice. Rest in Jesus. Jesus becomes our Sabbath rest. So we can quit performing, we can quit striving, we can quit trying to earn God's favor, and we can rest in who God is. And we also need to unplug from life and start resting in him. And I hope you've taken that seriously, and I hope you've taken the time to unplug and really just rest in God because it's good for your soul. That was commandment number four. So the first four are about loving God. 
Now we turn the corner into the next section, which is learning how to honor others. And we're going to start with commandment number five, honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long upon the land, which Adonai, your God, is giving you. Let's pray as we begin. Father, help us to learn what it means to love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. Lord, I pray that you would be the one that we all collectively worship, and you would be the one that sits on the throne of our hearts, and that we would bow down to you, and that we would never harm your name or tarnish your name, but we would be wonderful representatives for you. And I pray, Father, that we would learn to rest in you, to find our place of rest, just sitting in your grace. And I pray, Father, now that you would teach us what it means to honor others. Help us to start with this principle of honoring father and mother, but really, Lord, let it carry over into honoring other people in our lives, doing what you've commanded, loving others as we love ourselves. Father, we thank you for this time. We need you to be our teacher here, Lord. I, my words are inadequate. I am not uh, eloquent of speech, Lord, but you promised, just like you promised to Moses, that you would give him the words to say. That's what I ask for you today, Lord, that you would just give me the words to say as I try to proclaim your truth. Be with us now. We thank you and we love you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right. Honoring elders. That's what the title of the message is today. We're, I'm using the phrase elders. It's not just mother and father, although that's what we're going to key in on is father and mother. But really it is learning how do we honor others. God has spoken a lot in his word about honor. It's a very common thought. It's a very common phrase that is used throughout the Bible. And we're going to look at that and we're going to see that. Today, what I want to look at is the command, I want to look at the blessing, and then I want to look at the practice. What is the practical application of this when it comes to honoring the way that God has called us to honor? So let's look at the verse together and try to understand what is the command, what is the blessing, and what is the practical part of this that we can apply to our lives here today. So let's look back at the verse. It says this, honor your father and your mother. Let's start with this. Let's try to understand what is this command that God is giving. Let's start with the very first word. The very first word that he gives in the command is the word honor. What does it mean to honor? What does it mean to honor father and mother? What does it mean to honor other people in our lives? Well, the Hebrew word for honor is the Hebrew word kabod. Now, this word, what it means is this. It means to glorify, to view as heavy, weighty, rich, or of great value. Literally, it means to prize or to value someone, to show respect or reverence to someone. That's what the word honor is. Show respect, show reverence, prize or value them. So, so let me give you some examples of this. If you owned a priceless painting, I mean, this is a work of art. It is worth untold amount of money. How would you take care of that? How would you treat it? What would you do with that priceless work of art? 
You may build an entire room in your house around that painting. You may remodel the house around that painting. You will have spotlights on the painting. You'll probably have a security system on the painting. And every time somebody comes over to visit, you will take them into that room and you'll say, look at this that I have, this this incredible masterpiece that I have. And you will show off that painting that you have because it is a prized, treasured possession. Maybe it's not a painting. Maybe it's a collectible car, and it's an extremely valuable collectible car. How will you take care of that car? What will you do with it? Well, you'll probably detail it often. You'll, you'll clean it. You'll wax it. You'll vacuum it. You'll cover it. You won't drive it much. When you do drive it, you'll park it in the extreme parts of the parking lot. Not close to anybody else. I don't want to get a door ding, so I'm going to park it a mile away so that I can, nobody will hit it. And you will have it. You'll have a security system around it, and it will become a treasure. And you will think of the car. You will you will protect the car. You will spend time with the car. You'll maintain the car because it is a treasured possession. That's what it is to honor. Honor is to look at someone as a treasured, priceless possession. We have a word in our society. We use this word often. It's the word awesome. I use this word quite a bit. Grant, Pastor Grant, who's coming here in about a month, uses it every other word in his statements. He is Mr. Awesome. In fact, we have a theme song for him out of the Lego movie, Everything is Awesome. And we'll play that when he gets here because it's just so much fun. The word awesome comes out of the word awe. Awe is to be breathless. Awe is to be amazed. Awe is to look in extreme ways at whatever the object is. I want you to picture this as a husband and wife. Uh, In fact, I want you to try this. If you're here with your wife, your husband, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whatever it may be, or your children, it doesn't matter. I want you to turn to them and I want you to practice this. I want you to look at them and I want you to say, Oh, you're so awesome. I I just turned to them and, oh, you are so amazing. I treasure you. Okay, that is, that is the idea of awesome. That is the idea of honor. To look every day at the person God has brought into your life as a treasure, to to look at them and say, I view you as a treasure. You're heavy. (laughs) You're weighty. Okay. Maybe not. (laughs) Maybe that's the wrong word. The word heavy and the word weighty is referring to like a bar of gold. It is, would you rather have a a light bar of gold or would you rather have a heavy bar of gold? That is what it's talking about. Okay. So look at them with weight in a good way. Look at them with value, uh, priceless, treasured possession. That's what God means when he says, look with honor. So this idea of honor, it's used many times throughout the Bible. Let me give you just, just a couple of examples. Number one, one of the examples is this is the way we are to view God. In fact, it says this about God. 1 Samuel 2.30, it says, uh, therefore God says this, he declares this. He says, indeed, I said that your house and your father's house should walk before me forever. But now declares the Lord, far be it from me, for I will, notice this, I will honor those who honor me, but those who despise me will be disdained. 
So God's saying this, if you look at me with reverence and awe as a priceless treasure, I will look at you in the same way. But if you disdain me, I will also disdain you. So if you don't honor me, you dishonor me, then don't expect to be honored. So God is expected to be honored. Proverbs 3, 9, here's how we demonstrate this. Honor Adonai with your wealth with the first of your entire harvest. So God says, here's a way you can practically show that to me is you put your wealth under my authority, under my power. It's not just God, though. We are to honor other people. And it says it a lot. Here's a couple of examples. 1 Peter 2.17, honor all people. Romans 12.10, be tenderly devoted to one another in brotherly love. Outdo one another in giving honor. So this is his expectation, is that we look at others with a mentality and an attitude that they are a treasure, that they are a gift, that they're priceless, that they are a a wonderful treasure given by God into your life. Now, in particular, in this command, he says, I want you to honor your father and your mother. I I want to share something about God's system. God has a structure And God has a system for the way that the world operates. This is an important system. It's an important structure that God wants us to understand, us to come in agreement with and under his authority. Let me tell you what the system is. It starts in this manner. starts at the top, at the head, that God is supreme. That God is to be honored. God is the authority. He does not subject himself to humanity. In other words, he doesn't care what you think. He is the authority. He is in control. He has all power and he is the judge. So you may think, well, I I don't agree with that. I think it should be done this way. God will say, "I I don't care what you think. I'm the judge. I'm in control. People today say, you know what? I think abortion should be legal. I don't care what you think. It's wrong. It's murder. That's what it is. Okay, so God, he's, the, he's in control. He has all power. He is the judge. He is the authority. He is the top. He is the head. Underneath that, he has given this idea of family. Family starts with mother and father. Mother and father come together, and that is the next layer. Mother and father, husband and wife, are in subjection to God, but they are in authority over anybody that comes next. Who comes next? The children come next. The children are in subjection to the parents who are in subjection to the father. So the children are under the authority of God, under the authority of their parents, and they are to submit one to another. Your children will someday get married, hopefully, They get married, and now they have come together, husband and wife, and they have children, and their children submit to them. There is an order of authority and structure. Why did God create it like this? Because in that process, you and I learn what it means to have humility, what it means to obey, what it means to listen, what it means to be in subject to or submission to someone else. And this is the structure that God created. Anytime we do things outside of God's structure, it is messed up. What have we done as parents? Well, there are many parents today 
that instead of being an authority over their children, they have elevated their children to the same level or even over them, and they're subjecting themselves to their children. How do we know this to be true? Well, every time you go through a store and you see a parent pushing their child and the child screaming at the top of their lungs and I'm not speaking as somebody who doesn't know because I've got six children and I've been there. The kids screaming at the top of their lungs and you say, well, just, just be quiet. Whatever you want, I'll buy you. Just be quiet. I'll, I'll buy you anything. You have just elevated the kid either to your level or even ahead of you. Now you're subjecting yourself to your child. You are getting out of order the order that God has created, the order of authority that God the husband and wife, family, mother, father, then the children is the order God has created. But we often elevate our kids too high or we bring God down too low and try to make him on our level and put ourselves over him. So this is the concept. This is the idea. God is saying, look, I want you to honor your father and mother because this is the way that I have created society. This is the structure that I have created now, in the Old Testament, there were serious, serious consequences for not honoring your father and mother. Among those consequences were death. If you did not honor your father and mother, you could be killed in the Old Testament. Now, thankfully, we don't live under that today, but God's principles don't change. That he has created a system and a structure that he expects us to follow. And the, the structure is summed up in one word. It's the word honor. You honor them. You respect them. But not just mother and father, you can also honor elders in general. Have you noticed that in our society, the elderly are almost seen as a burden and not a blessing? Have you noticed that? The elderly now are, in most generations, most cultures, the elderly would live with the family and they would stay together and they were seen as, as the elder of the family. They were seen as an important part of the family, the head of the family in many ways, but elders in our society are shipped off to some kind of facility, maybe it's a nursing home that they're shipped off to, because they're a burden and they're a problem and we don't want to mess with this anymore. That shouldn't be that way. Now, I know that there's cases where you can't, you can't take care of that. And, and, and that's, that's sad, that's, but that's understandable. But for most of our society, we need to start appreciating and valuing the ones that God has given, the elders that he has given. I hope this makes sense. Honor your father and your mother. Have a heart of willingness to honor have an attitude of willingness to honor. Submit yourself and see other people as a blessing and a treasure in your life, especially your father and your mother. Now, I know the question starts coming up for you right away. Well, what if my father, what if my mother, what if, I, what if they were jerks? What if I didn't know them? What if they were abusive? Well, we're going to get to some of that at the end, but there are things that you can still appreciate about them. How about appreciate this? They, they did not abort you. That can be an appreciation. You're alive today because they made at least one good choice in life. I know it may have been tough, but you know what? Uh, the Psalms say that God is a father to the fatherless. So if you didn't have a good father, turn to God who will be a great father to you. So that's the command. Let's look at the blessing. What is the blessing? 
Well, let's go on and look at a little bit more of the verse. It says this, honor your father and mother so that, here's the blessing, your days may be long upon the land which Adonai your God is giving you. When you honor them, your days will be long upon the land. What is it that we are honoring? We are honoring father-mother, which is necessitating marriage and necessitating a family. When you have that as a cultural value, marriage and family, a nation will be blessed and you will be long in the land. A family will be blessed and the family will be healthy. But when you take out the, the necessity of family and marriage, the nation will crumble. It has been said that a family can survive without a nation, but a nation cannot survive without the family. Do you know that the family has been under attack in great ways over the past, especially over the past five years, but really over the past 10, 20, and 30 years, the family has been under attack. It has been under attack in such a way that the family, that many young people today are choosing not to get married and not to have a family because it's not important anymore because the culture has attacked this. Do you know when the nation starts devaluing marriage and the family, the nation will crumble? We are seeing that play out before our very eyes because it is not valued and it is beginning to crumble. There is no more uh, moral structure when you don't do things God's way. Honor your father and mother so that it may be long upon the land. You can also read that in reverse. You can read that as a curse and not a blessing if you read it this way. Do not honor your father and your mother and your days may not be long upon the land. And if you don't honor, you don't value, then your days will be numbered upon the land. God's blessing is there when you do things his way. His blessing is taken when you don't do things his way. This is why Satan hates the family. Satan hates everything that God has established. And therefore, Satan is coming against with power every structure that God has established. Let me give you some examples of how Satan has worked in the world today. Starting the very first words of the Bible. In the beginning, God created what? The heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created. What does that establish? It establishes the fact that God is the creator and he is the one who created his creation. He therefore has rule and reign over his creation, but he is the creator. Well, what does Satan want to do? I want to create a different a different story, an alternative narrative. I don't want people to believe that there is a God and, and let alone that he is the creator. Therefore, let's come up with a brilliant idea, an unproven idea, but we'll get everybody to buy into it. And that is that the world was created through a big bang, a remarkable big bang that the probabilities are impossible that it would have happened. But let's just sell people on this and then convince people that evolution is the way. Why? Because that is going against the standard God has set. And Satan will tear down every standard God has set. Go on, just a few more verses after that. In the first couple of chapters of the book of Genesis, it says that he created male and female. Male and female, he created them. What would that tell you? Well, that would tell you that there are two 
sexes, there are two genders, male and female. Biologically, animals, there are two genders, male and female. That's how reproduction happens. There are two types of humanity, male and female. It's how God has created us. But Satan is not happy with how God has created. He wants to pull people away from God. Therefore, there's not two genders. Now there's 70 genders. And you could be whatever gender you want to be, whatever you want to choose. Because he's directly attacking everything God said and every standard God has established. Then he goes after the marriage. There's no such thing as marriage between a man and a woman. That's biblical thinking. That's ancient thinking. That is is a slave type of thinking that we have. That is not okay. Male and female, husband and wife. We can't have husband and wife. Now it needs to be husband and husband, wife and wife. A man and multiple wives, a woman and multiple husbands. Redefining. What God has established. I was just reading a story. I was, I was just laughing at this story. It's so bizarre. It, I, I read it on Friday as I was preparing sermon stuff. And this story came across. It's, you can read it on different uh, news outlets. But I read it on CBN, which is Christian Broadcasting Network. Listen to this story. Here's the headlines. Plug pulled. Fictosexual man who married computer-generated hologram can no longer speak to her. I I read that and I thought, what in the heck is this about? Here's here's what the story says. It says this. uh, Last week, CBN brought you the story of the London woman who married her cat. Well, this time, the story is about a man who married a hologram off of his computer of a fictional character. This man in Japan, who's aged 38, has been dating this fictional character on his computer for over a decade now. And over a decade ago, he had a literal marriage ceremony in which he spent $17,300 on the ceremony, inviting guests, people attending both live and virtually, to see him join in a union with a fictional hologram character. Now, the the technology that it was using, the company that was providing this hologram image that he could then have the marriage with, I guess, they went out of business, and now he is devastated because now he can't have a conversation with his fictosexual spouse. What? This is the way the world is going. Everything God established, Satan attacks. He attacks creation, gender, marriage, ethics, morality, truth, the church, the family, which is why we have to reaffirm and listen to what God says when he says, look, you honor your father and mother, meaning you honor marriage, you honor the family, you submit yourself to it, you submit yourself to the elders in your life, and you properly have the structure that I have created. Because when you don't do things my way, God says, everything will collapse. We have statistics that actually prove that. Did you know that in 1960, there were fewer than 6 million children living in a single parent family? But today, That number is now 19 million children 
that are being raised without a father. That is one in four children today are being raised without a father. Did you know that 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes? We spend countless numbers and millions and millions of dollars fighting addiction and homelessness, but how much money do we actually spend supporting families? Did you know that that is where the root of most homelessness and addictions come from, is a fatherless home? 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. A child from a fatherless home is 68% more likely to use drugs or alcohol, far more likely to become sexually active at an early age, and three times more likely to commit a violent crime. 85% of all youth sitting in a juvenile institution or sitting in prison came from a fatherless home. Fatherless children are anywhere from 100 to 200% more likely to have emotional and behavioral problems. Fatherless sons are 300% more likely to end up in a juvenile institution. Fatherless daughters who marry have a 92% higher divorce rate. Fatherless daughters are 111% more likely to have children as, as teenagers. I mean, it makes you just think, wow, maybe God knew what he was talking about. Now, now if you are somebody who came from a fatherless home, God can be a father to the fatherless. So don't ever downplay that. And I know that that can create pain, but where there is pain, God can bring light and hope and grace to that pain and heal that. I know that there are some in here that are single moms, and God bless you if you are. We love you, and however we can support you, we want to support you. Look for, if you're going to get married, look for a godly man. Do not settle. Do not compromise. Do not just settle for just some guy, because guys can be creeps, just so you know. <laughs> Don't just settle. Look for a godly man who will love you and love your children. You're a single mom. Look to other people in the church, other guys in your life that maybe are not filling the, the relationship role, but they are filling a void in your, your child's life. There are some wonderful teachers and coaches and youth pastors and, and small group leaders and men that can be a role model to you if you're missing that. The bottom line is this. God wants us to honor your father and mother, because this is where the blessing comes. A nation is blessed, a family is blessed, a person is blessed when you follow God's principles and listen to what he says. Finally, let's just look at some practice. Let's look at some practical application. What can I do? How can I honor? Now, again, let's think of this as not just father, mother, but let's think about honoring the elders among us. Elders, you are not despised, you are not worthless, you have not lost a purpose in life, you are valuable, you are important, and you matter. We need to honor you. As elders, we need to honor our fathers and our mothers. How can we do this? Well, number one, I'm gonna give you some practical ways. View elders with respect and value. So view them with value meaning that they do have value in life. They do have value in society. Not only do they have value, but respect them. Ch teach your children to respect their elders. Teach them to understand what respect and honor means. Teach them to understand the biblical model of God, parents, children. 
help them to understand what authority means, submission means, obedience means, and proper respect means. That's one of the things that you can do. If you have people around you that are older than you, appreciate them and view them with respect. Don't view them as a burden on your life or a burden on society. Number two, appreciate and acknowledge their contributions to your life. Again, you may look back and say, okay, father, mother, not very good. Didn't like that too much. They weren't very good in my life. They did at least a few things that you can appreciate and acknowledge them for. If nothing else, they taught you the kind of person that you never wanted to be. And so you can appreciate that. At least I got a picture of what awful is. Now I can be to my kids what wonderful is because I saw what I don't want to be. You can appreciate the fact that they did give you life. You can appreciate some of the genetics that they gave you, quite possibly. You can find something to appreciate and acknowledge about how they contributed to your life. Number three, listen to their ideas, wisdom, discernment, and knowledge. I I have a dear friend who is much older than me. Uh, he is in his 80s. I love, love visiting with him. He is just wonderful to visit. He is dripping with wisdom and knowledge and insight. However, he has gotten to the age where he repeats himself a lot. And I have heard the same story multiple times from him. Uh, every time I sit down with him, it's like the same story I'm telling, he's telling me over and over again. And I'm like, I've heard that, yes, that's, but I don't, ever, I don't ever belittle him. I don't ever shame him. I just listen to the story for the 15th time, nodding in agreement because I appreciate him so much. So maybe his mind is not quite as sharp as it was, but I appreciate him and I appreciate his wisdom and his insight. And no, I'm not talking about my father-in-law when I say this, okay? So just, just so you're aware of that. I do appreciate him, though, and I listen to his wisdom and discernment and knowledge as well. Number four, learn from and celebrate their life. Before I got into being a pastor, I started off as an investment representative. I was a stockbroker living in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, Part of the job there, I was in my early 20s when I started this job, and part of the job was you had to build your business. So I would go around knocking on doors and just handing out business cards. And I met this older gentleman in his probably mid-80s at the time. And this was, this was at least 30 years ago. And maybe 20, 25 to 30 years ago. And he was in his 80s at the time. And uh, I got to know him. And I wanted to convince him to do business with me because I needed people to do business with me. That's how I was going to make it, make the living. However, after I started visiting with him for a few minutes, I realized that his insight and wisdom, his life was just amazing. And I would stop by and visit with him just because I wanted to hear his stories. He was in World War II. He was part of D-Day. He moved from D-Day in toward Germany. If you've ever watched Band of Brothers, that was basically what his life was like. And he told stories about being trapped behind enemy's lines in, in, in the freezing cold having to crawl from enemy lines to his own, uh, his own uh, uh, brothers, really. Amazing stories. And I would just listen and listen and listen because his life was amazing. Do you know that the elderly among us have stories that are just amazing? They have wisdom. They have discernment. Sit and actually learn from them. Number, number five, 
Show patience. Now, this is one of the challenging ones. Because as someone's mind becomes a little less sharp than it used to be, it takes a lot of patience to sit and listen. It takes a lot of patience to hear the same story over and over and over again. But this is a way you honor. You honor people by being patient with people. It's not just the elderly either. It's your husband and wife. You honor them by being patient with them. Guys, do you know what I'm talking about? You honor your wife when you're patient with her. She honors you when she's patient with you. I know you don't think you need any patience, but you do. She is patient with you, and that shows honor. Another way to show honor is just simply submit yourself. Look at yourself according to Philippians chapter 2, doing nothing out of selfish ambition, but instead seeing yourself lower than others. I'm not going to put myself above them. I will put myself in subjection to them, and I will learn from them. This is what it means for us to honor our father and our mother. God has designed the family. He has designed the marriage. He has blessed the family. He has blessed the marriage. He has taught us what it means to understand authority, submission, what it means to understand obedience, listening, and patience by putting us in this family dynamic and in this family structure. Do you have people in your life that you can start celebrating, honoring, submitting yourself to, that you can show to them the honor that they deserve. Let's pray as we close. Father, I pray that we would take this command seriously, that we would honor our fathers and our mothers the way that you have intended, that we would learn what it means to truly understand humility, that we would understand where, where our place is, that we are not the center of the universe. That is you. We are not the center of our family. That is the parents. We have been put into these families for our good to teach us what this whole structure is that you have created. I pray, Father, that we would understand and learn to be kind and patient and honoring, not just with one another, but especially with our fathers and our mothers, that we would respect, that we would value, that we would treasure them in such a way that one day when they go on to meet you in heaven, that it will leave a hole in our hearts, that we will grieve, knowing that we will see them again, but being thankful for the impact that they've had on our lives. Help us to be that kind of parent to our children as well, that they would be grieved, Lord, with the loss of us, but they would know that they would see us again. Father, we thank you for loving us, being with us here today. Bless us as we leave. In Jesus' name we pray. Hey, thanks Amen. for listening to that message. We hope that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to Journey, head to our website, journeychurchgillette.com, and hit the Give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your gift helps us to continue providing resources like this every single week. Also, be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website for updates and additional information. Hey, God bless you guys and have a great day.